0: Well, good morning. Good morning. How we doing? All right. All right. I'm liking it. We got some energy already this morning. Some had their coffee, maybe some did not. That's okay. All right. Well, you may have been expecting uh someone probably a little taller and a little more handsome, but uh he is relaxing. Pastor Adam uh and the family are just uh taking some time to rest, and so we're we're stuck with me today. And uh, you guys are not laughing yet. All right, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I promise. Um, so I just want to introduce myself real quick. My name's John. I've been uh, hanging around the Wyndham area for just about the past 14 years of my life. Uh, I'm not an original Mainer. I know, don't know if you can tell by my accent or not. Uh, but I come from the second greatest state. Uh, PA, or Pennsylvania, for those who don't know, uh, what are they called? Abbreviations, yeah, of states. And so PA represented. Um, and I moved to Maine because I met my wife in college, and she was like, you've never been to Maine, you need to go. Uh, and I was like, absolutely. So that's me. We have four boys. You see them probably running around. I'm sorry if they run into you. Um, and yeah, so that's me. If you're like, who is this guy? Uh, that's that. That's me. Um, But I want to take a moment uh, just real quick and just say, we are so lucky to have Pastor Adam and Pastor Tanya. And uh, yeah, if you're listening on the recording, uh, you should be clapping too in your room or wherever you're listening in your car. But um, I've... I just started reading a book, and don't be impressed because this is the first book I've read in like 14 years. Um, But I I realized I need to. So um, I started reading a book, and it was just talking about um, your your soul, right? Just talking about how, uh, what's good for your soul? Obviously, uh, it talks, you know, God's good for your soul. Yay. Uh, But then it took a moment and said, intentional relationships are good for your soul. And uh, over the past, uh, I've I've known Adam over the past six years. But um, you know, this past year and a half, we've really just tried to be intentional in um, learning from each other, building each other up. And he has been so good for my soul. I can't promise that I've been the same for him, um, but I pro- he has been so good and just we we as a church have been absolutely blessed. And so um, when you see them and you're like, oh, well, we've had a few guest speakers. Um, the reason I want to let you know, there's so much value that has been called on him. Like he has been given an, a, a calling that is not always the easiest. Um, and As a congregation, our goal should always be uh, to lift up his arms and strengthen him. So when you see them, when you see Adam, when you see Tanya, always, always give a word of encouragement. You might have a disagreement, but I promise you, if you start giving a word of encouragement to them, we only get better as a group, as a church. And so I just want to encourage you and just love on them. They're so valuable to who we are. All right. Now that that's said, we need to dive into the important stuff. <sighs> we ready? Yeah. All right, let's go. So uh, we are going to talk about um, a little bit. Uh, this is, I, like I mentioned, I have four boys, so this uh, verbiage comes up a little bit uh, more in my household than maybe some. Uh, today, uh, we are going to talk just for a little bit, and you're going to have to be grown-ups about it, uh, about poop. Um, and so, like I said, we're getting into the good stuff, uh, today. And, uh, I, I want to, um, start off with a a story, um, and and give some background to it, right? Because it's very important as we dive into, uh, anytime we're going into the Bible to understand, um, I, I was taught this by a mentor of mine and I absolutely love it. Uh, understand there and then, meaning what was going on in the Bible there and then, for us to really be able to apply it to us here and now, right? We, we, we can't just assume that just because we are reading this here and now, that it just automatically applies. Even though it does, we, we, we have to understand how. And so uh, we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 16, verses 22 through 34. And uh, the, the title of my message is called Knee Deep. <laughs> yes, uh, we're getting there. We're get, I told you we're, we're, we're talking about the important stuff today, but I, I want to give some background on this. Um, so Paul and his buddy Silas, they're just going around preaching, ministering, and um, they go into a specific city, uh, Philippi, and they're kind of talking and they're just walking through and there's this one uh, just wonderful teenage girl um, who, who just is everywhere they go, she just screams and is just bothering them. Like she is just, if they're preaching the, the, the word, all of a sudden she'll just scream and she'll, she'll like distract the crowd and she just is all over every word that they say. And so finally... I don't know what took so long, but after a f- few times of her doing this, Paul's like, all right, we got we to figure this out. And so they cast out a demon out of her. And here's the thing. That sounds all good and wonderful, and it is, except for because they do that, it actually costs some of the higher-ups in the government uh, money. And you're like, well, how did that happen? Because what this, this girl's demon possession actually, uh, was something that she would use, and they would use uh, to manipulate people's emotions and play on them. And they would, those higher-ups started losing money, and they were like, we can't have that. So what they did is they took Paul and Silas, and they threw them into prison. And that's where we're at in this story. So so we realize someone who did good is now beaten and thrown into prison. And so we, we pick it up. In uh, verse 16, and, uh, it, or chapter uh, 16, verse 22 through 34, and it says here, oh, let me go back one page. It says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet to stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Nobody should be awake at midnight, so who knows what they're doing. Uh, And uh, the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here. The jailer called for the lights and ran into the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour in the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds, then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they were all, because they all believed in God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. God, you are so good and so gracious. And God, we know that you have uh, brought us here in this moment to just learn more about you. God, would you just use the words that uh, you've given me to impact lives. Lord, we love you, and we thank you that the Cowboys have not lost yet this season, and that it's only been the Jets. In Jesus' name, amen. Right as patriot fans, we're all happy the Jets lost their first game, game that doesn't even count, and they still can't win. Um, who's a jets fan in here? Anyone? Yeah, ashamed to raise your hand understand <laughs> understand all right we're we're good we're good uh, i uh I know this may not look like it, but um, I got to be a part of a wilderness camp. Um, it was absolutely wonderful uh, it was just an amazing time. And I did it for about three years. There was a gentleman who just loved torturing people uh, in the wilderness uh, by literally, he would take teenagers out and he'd just be like, all right, we're just going to, we're going to live. And they're like, what? And he'd be like, yeah, here's the tent. Here's this. And I was like, this is so fun watching this happen. And uh, in this whole entire thing, uh, what he would do is he would give them clear instructions. He would say, this is what you need to do in regards to setting up your tent. We're going to go out. The weather is looking like it's going to rain. So actually what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to put your tarp up first. Then you're going to want to put your tent up. And once you get your tent up, immediately start working on different things. Start gathering some of the firewood because you're going to need firewood and all this different stuff. And uh, he would always say, but whatever you do, Always close your tent door. Smart, right? If you've ever been camping, it's actually really smart because this is the only way to keep certain things out of your tent. Um, and so on this in particular trip, we had about 30 students and uh, you know, we had about seven or eight girls on the trip with us and um, they didn't listen ever. Um, and... It was actually really impressive because uh, this this guy he he was a guide out in Wyoming and like he would be like hey you know he was doing these wilderness camps and you know out in there he was allowed to give kids like a gun and if anything came their way they were allowed to shoot it uh, but in this camp up in Maine it, it was like hey good luck um, <laughs> and so uh, but these these this group of girls just. They, they didn't want to listen, and and hey, it, you, you just reap what you sow. And um, so the first night, they get into their tent and, again, didn't listen and left the tent door open and everything like that, um, and mosquitoes got in. Uh, it is very impressive how much... A mosquito can bite you why you sleep and you not know it is more impressive how many mosquitoes can get into a tent in the middle of nowhere in caribou Maine in July and these girls woke up the next morning and they are literally covered in mosquito bites I'm like oh brutal what are you gonna do and here's the best part about this. They literally were like, well, we didn't know. Uh, yeah, and we're like, well, I guess we didn't tell you mosquitoes bite, true. We, we didn't give you clear instructions on like that, but, but what, we, what we did is we actually uh, told you to close up your tent, and that would have solved your issues. It's amazing how something so little, something so minuscule, and and really, this was going to be a great trip, but something so tiny and so small can ruin everything. It's actually uh, quite common. I joke about mosquitoes, but, but let's say this. Um, you ever been driving down the road and your tire pops? If we look at it in the grand scheme of things, if we look at an actual tire, it, you know, so I, I used to own a van that it like as soon as I got my first bill for it, the tire was like 400 bucks, and I was like, "Yeah, never again." Um, you know, tires they're like 100, 200 bucks, and you're like, "Ugh." And in the grand schema of our entire life, the tire can cause a lot of downfall. Because what happens is, is all of a sudden the tire pops and then all of a sudden you're riding on your rim and then your rim's all bent. And then all of a sudden when your rim gives way, your, your axle breaks. And then all of a sudden it's just building and building and building. And you're like, what is going on? We were just about to be on our family vacation and all of a sudden a tire pops and now we're $3,000 in debt. Here we have Paul and Silas, they literally deliver a girl who is struggling with demons inside of her being possessed, and they deliver her, and all of a sudden, they find themselves naked and being beaten. What do you do with that? What do you do when, when all of a sudden you're realizing that you just got this excellent promotion at your your job and then all of a sudden you you run into something else and, and maybe it's a family illness. And you're like, wait, I just was experiencing such such a tremendous high. Why am I here? Why is this happening to me? I shouldn't be going through this. If I'm Paul, if I'm Silas, I'm looking at God and I'm going, you're unfair. I'm looking at God going, this is what I get? You, you, you are, are allowing me to go through this. I am preaching your good news. I am preaching to you, the people that you called me to, and you are giving me a jail and being stripped naked. We look and we notice some things here. And as we start to kind of... Break down each of the chapters. I really want to point to to one specific um, premise, or, or what we uh, I call premise, but uh, as a church, sometimes we we like to call it the big idea. And, and I I want to point it out to this. It says it's this: our pause shows God's power. Us pausing, it it seems crazy, but us when we stop and we don't move, really reflects God's power. I want to look here Acts. Uh, at the beginning part of the, the scriptures we were reading, it says, uh, they were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon. This, uh, this is always interesting to me. The Romans were really good at um, torturing and mentally breaking down people. It's, it, it, it is very well known that they just were mean and, and just didn't do things right. Um, and so this inner dungeon, it, if I could draw a picture of you, uh, imagine you, know, you got your surrounding circular building and um, they had you know, like little breakouts in each cell uh, with like, picture a brick missing, right? Like uh, the wall is all built, but on the very bottom of each cell, there's one brick missing. And the reason for this is because, well, they didn't really have plumbing. Then, so if it rained, well, they wanted to make sure that um, their their prisoners didn't drown. They were at least that nice. Um, But what this meant is, is when, just going to be honest, um, a prisoner relieved themselves. And after a big meal, um, that would wash and how they would do it is it actually drained inwards they didn't wash it away because the the guards had to go out the doors and they didn't want anything falling on them so what they would do is they would actually wash it inwards and uh, then there was one part of the prison that everything flowed to this is known as the inner dungeon And the reason this is actually different is they don't actually say, you'll notice in other areas where their hands and feet are shackled throughout the Bible, the inner dungeon, they cannot actually shackle their hands. Because if they do, people will drown. Because they're shackled to the floor. So now, as I'm giving this picture, I want to make it a little bit more clear. People are literally being beaten. So blood, urine, and feces is now flowing to this inner dungeon Where people are standing knee deep in other people's feces and blood. And this is now where Paul and Silas are. The Bible is very gory and gruesome once you start dying into it, or diving into it, not dying into it. Please don't do that. Uh, Diving into it. And so Paul and Silas are, are are up to their knees in it. And now we, we realize this is now, it's, it's not fun anymore. We thought being beaten and, and flogged publicly was bad. Now they're in it with open wounds. And I love it that this is where we find them. Because uh, if you've uh, grown up in church, uh, this is the part of the story that a lot of people uh, have seen on the felt board, and uh, get really excited about. And they're like, yeah, we know the end of the story. And I joke, um, kind of, if you are that Christian, you don't know the end of the story. Because it, it, it's not really how that story goes. We, we sometimes will, will cherry pick. And, and here, uh, we go on and we, we continue to read it says around midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns and the other prisoners were listen listening. What song are you singing? Right? Let us be honest. Uh, some of you know some some worship songs. Yeah, we just sang, we did, did um, like we we got some like old school like how great is our god Like are you singing that? I'm not singing that. Right? Like like what song are you singing as you're standing in someone else's stuff? No? No, no, like like you know there is power, wonder work, and power in the blood, not my prisoner's blood, but like uh, What song? What song would, would you rise up deep inside of you as you're standing in your mess? And here's the best part about it. Now you're not just standing in your mess, you're standing in someone else's. We are called as a community into unity. And this part of the message is actually one of my favorites because it's starting to realize that now all of a sudden you are not just called to stand in your mess. Even in the high of your moment, as you're seeing God do wonderful things all around, you are not necessarily just called to stand and be praised. What you're actually called to do is pause and stand in someone else's mess. And and this is the, the, the worst part about it. Because some people will, will just be like, oh, I'm just going to sing and I'm going to worship it and it's just going to all be okay. I don't want to discourage that at all. If you're broke, pray. If you're hurting, pray. If you're lonely, pray. If there's something deep going on inside of you, you just got a diagnosis that, that you are unsettled with, worship, pray. I'm not against that at all. And if you're on a high and everything's going great, worship and pray. But don't forget to pause with other people. It's true worship is freeing. It's true that that Paul and Silas literally experienced it. But the best part about it is, is as soon as they experience that, they don't run and stay standing or stay in that moment of excitement and they don't just get so consumed with what God's doing in their life. It actually says in verse 27, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open and he assumed the prisoners had escaped. And so he drew his sword to kill himself. Man, the tables have turned. Paul and Silas were just experiencing something high. They delivered someone. Then they were flogged. Then all of a sudden the chains break loose. This jailer has to deal with prisoners. He does what he's called to do. And now all the chains, not just Paul and silass all the chains are broken. What if um, your worst day is meant to be someone else's best day? You okay with that? What if your greatest heartache might be freeing to someone else? As a Christian, as a, not even as a Christian, as a person, that does not make sense to me. I don't like it, just being honest. If you are winning life because of something I've done, that hurts me. If I'm losing life and you're winning life because of my loss, I do not like that at all. Anyone with me? Jet fans, you're still cheering, aren't you? You see, this is where we're at. We're experiencing highs and lows, and we realize the people on the opposite side or just in a different life phase than us might be experiencing highs when we're experiencing lows. And it's our lows that cause their highs. And here, I love it. This jailer is like, oh, I already know my fate. I already know what's going to happen. If they're willing to just beat someone for helping someone, I can be assured that my life is over. You see, there's there's people in this community that, that are the Paul and Silas, and then there's people in this community that are the jailer and they they may be experiencing something where they now think life isn't worth it i can't continue i i my mistake is too big and i love the response here in the verse 28 it says this but paul shouted to him stop Hey, 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 just don't, don't, stop. We're all here. Refuge, when's the last time you looked at someone and said, hey, I'm here. I'm, I, I am standing knee deep, and it looks like you might be too. You just want to stand together. Uh uh I am uh I'm going through financial hardship and I see you're going through financial hardship. You 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 just want to talk? I'm 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 struggling with this addiction in my life. If I see you might be too but I know a God who's got me through many other things. I, I'm going through this situation with my spouse and I see you're struggling too. And Now here's the, the thing, that I'm here, we're here, it's not so that you can gripe and complain. It's not so like, oh, yeah, and try and one-top them, right? Like, like you're, you're, you're not story-topping here. The topping of every story should always be, and God saved me, and God delivered me. I was once broken, and I was alone, and I was hurting, and I didn't think I could get through it. But God still showed me he was standing here with me. When I, when I thought my, my hope was lost, when, it, when I, I really thought my marriage was gone, God was there with me. When I thought that, you know, I just started this business and all of a sudden some wonderful virus came along and created a pandemic, I, I thought it was gone and that my life was over. Somehow God was with me. What's your somehow God was with you moment? What was your low point that that you looked to God and was like, this is where you have me? This, after all I've done. I once heard a preacher talk. He has thousands of people that go through his congregation or in his congregation and he's, reached hundreds of thousands, if not just under a million people. He got diagnosed with brain cancer. And uh, he was looking at one day, and he was looking at one of his con- congregation members, and it was a gentleman who was just doing so well, so well in his business. But he was failing miserably in being faithful to his wife. And the pastor got up, and, and he's looking out in the crowd, and he literally is in his mind trying not to, because the guy's just smiling. And he's trying so hard not to say anything. And so we paused. then just picture it. Like, if I stood here for, like, five minutes and didn't say anything, you guys would be like, whoa. All right, Mitch, come on, like, like get it together. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, th- no, listen, you would be like, you need a, you, someone needs to go help him. And he said he stood there, and he's having this internal conversation with God, and he's like, I can't preach anymore because th- you've given me cancer, and you're going to allow me to die. Why, that man sits smiling on the front row. And I'm not pointing to anyone here, just, yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, And he's like, he paused. And God said in his ear, what makes you think you're so special (laughs) that I can't redeem him like I redeemed you? You're going to find people that you're going to stand next to and you're going to be like, I don't know about you. (laughs) you're shady, you're shady, but somehow I'm in the same mess, so I must have been shady and needed redeemed too. Sorry. Because at some point, we all have to stand in other people's mess. You want to see the power of God? work in the community around you, in your household, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your business, whatever you're doing in life, you want to see God really move? Start standing with people in their mess. Pause, stop, say, we're here. I'm here. I I don't know all the things I can do to help you, but I promise you I'm here. That's all I got. If you look back actually to the beginning of God's perfect design, that's all that it was ever meant to be is someone standing. God looked at Adam and was like, "Mm, not good enough. He needs someone to stand with him. God's perfect design is for us to stand together. If I am Paul and I am Silas, I'm letting the jailer do what he needs to do because I want free. This is why I am not in the Bible. And I love this, real quick. When we see Jesus ascend to heaven, my favorite thing is, he's not like, hey, I'll be praying for you. No. He, he's not like, hey, listen, um, you think they got it bad now. Wait a few years. No. He, what does he say? I'm sending a comforter. I am sending someone with you. I can only be here in man presence. I can only be here with just a handful. But I am about to send my spirit down upon the entire world. So that they can know that I am with them through all things. You are not standing alone. You might feel alone, but let me explain to you. God is whispering through his spirit into your soul and saying, I am here. I am with you. When no one else might feel like they're around, I have never forgotten you. I know how many hairs are on your head and how many you've lost, which is a lot, John. I know. Jesus doesn't leave us with a hope and a prayer. He leaves us with his comforter, his spirit. Church, our job is not to point how free we are, but it's our goal to show us how free God makes each of us. And nothing quite reflects the gospel message more than when life has you standing knee-deep and you're letting those around you actually see your wounds. Like I said, the, the worst thing that I don't understand is when I fail watching someone else succeed. But what I can wrap my head around is, as a dad, one of the things, you've, if you may have seen the picture floating around, it's like a, dad and you know the kids like the puzzle piece and the dad's like a puzzle piece anyone see this image please tell me I'm not there yeah all right and uh, it's the dad and he's taking part of himself his puzzle piece and giving it to his child saying hey I think this is going to make you better I think this is going to bring wholeness to you the thing that I thought was part of me, now is going to help fulfill you. And God did that with each one of us, except for he has no voids. Him passing out pieces of who you are does not leave him void. The best part about it is we get to draw from God and he just is like, oh, I got another. Oh, you messed up again. Sorry. Sorry ran out of that piece, but uh, you're just gonna have to struggle with that. No, the gospel message is that he forever changed and completed the work on the cross, and that no matter what happens, no matter what we do, if we lean and learn on who God is, we are forever saved, and we accept that gift, and this is how This shows, and this is how standing with someone else actually shows who God is. Because what you're doing is is you're not pointing to the pieces that are missing from you. You're pointing to the pieces that have been replaced by God. You're not looking and saying, oh, sorry, this is my shortcoming. You're looking and saying, this is where God redeemed me. And I know he can do it for you too. We find here, oh, hold on, I lost myself. Nope, one step before we find here. People always want to know how much you care. One of my absolute favorite things is um, I have a a boy who just doesn't like to listen sometimes. And in the store, um, I'll tell him all the time, hey, don't touch things, right? Uh, Not because uh, I'm worried about germs. I'm actually worried that he's going to knock over the spaghetti jars. um, And I'm going to feel like I need to pay for it. Um, And uh, so what I'll do is I'll say, hey, don't touch that. You know, in my nice dad voice, a nice voice. um, And uh, I'll constantly repeat it. And then all of a sudden what I'll do is I'll realize he's paying more attention to um, touching the bags of chips and spaghetti jars and whatever else might be valuable. I know bags of chips aren't valuable, but that's what he touches. Um, They're valuable in our house. Um, And so I'll just be nice, um, and I don't encourage every parent to do this, but sometimes it's fun. Um, I will quickly scurry out of the aisle so that he can't see me. And what I'll do is I'll hide around the corner. Now, here's the best part about it. I know exactly where he's at. I know where he is, and I actually even know what his face looks like. It is bright red and kind of in a scared position. My wife just said it's mean. Uh, it's useful. Um, and uh, he, he will all of a sudden start to panic. And I love it because... And, <laughs> don't don't laugh, you're not helping the story. Um, I love it because what it does in, in, in my moment is I get to say to him, hey, I knew exactly where you were. I was never scared about losing you, but because you weren't listening and you missed what I was saying to you, you felt scared and afraid. I'm never was scared in that moment. You think Jesus was scared when Peter walked on the water? (laughs) Jesus was already on the water. He wasn't like, oh, Peter, what are you doing? He's not looking at you going, I'm scared. You're scared? Whatever mess you're in, whatever situation you're in in life, God is not like, This is new. What do I do? No, he's like, I sent my son for that. I sent my spirit to be a comfort and to be a guide. Just pause and listen for that spirit to come back into your life. And here we find the part that most people love. Ending it out. Acts 16, 31 through 32. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. You see that moment, that pause changed generations. Did you know that you might be setting up a generational blessing for someone in your mess? If Paul and Silas are selfish like me, that family doesn't now know who Jesus is. They're sitting there and they're mourning. But because Paul and Silas are, are so amazing, and hopefully we as a church grow into this, and, and some of you already are, but uh, if we can be those people that stop and say, pause. We're free from our chains. We're no longer shackled to the things that were holding us down. But we're still got some mess we got to deal with. I'm not tied to it. But I know my mess is going to bring healing and generational blessings to those around me. So you want to know what you're supposed to do today? Let your worst day Be someone else's blessing. Let them see you at your worst and so that they know what God can do in them. Let them know that everything might be going on and they might feel like it's overwhelming, but they don't have to be tied down to what once held them. But that they can be free. You see... God is all about setting people free. He uses you and me to do it. You say, well, that's an amazing story. Let me explain something to you. Uh, Paul and Silas go to that person's household, and they get free. They're, they're now no longer in the mess, Actually. They they're they're free. They're 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 preaching the gospel again. And you know what they do? As soon as they're done eating the meal, they're like, "Hey, uh, jailer, we're ready to go back." Oh, you want to go back to Philippi and, and keep preaching? No, actually, we're ready to go back to the prison. they walk themselves back into the mess to free other people. You see, they actually tell the jailer, they say, hey, go get the officials, the people who put me in this mess. Go go get the people who beat me for delivering others because I want them to see the mess they've put me in With the freedom I've brought. Oh, you're going to get out of the mess, but are you willingly going to be able to walk back into it to set some more people free? Your pause, our pause, only shows God's power. Would you stand with me? You might be in this room and you're like, "Ah, life has not treated you well. You feel like it's been unfair. You feel like it's been overwhelming. You may not even know why you even walked in the room today. If you're lonely, we're about to worship. We're going to sing another song, but let me explain something to you and it may not go over with the worship leaders, but we'll just deal with it. Uh, just pause. Reflect on who God is. Just pause. Just stand there. You don't have to sing. They'll sing. They have amazing voices. Your job is to listen to the Spirit. Now, if you're like, hey, I'm good. I'm in a good spot. Sing it out because someone's standing near you needs to be like wait weren't they just going through loneliness weren't they just going through hardships and they're singing they're worshiping that that doesn't make sense I'm here to tell you sometimes the power of God doesn't make sense but it is still free let's pray God, for those in this room that are walking through life circumstances that just seem unfair, God, I ask that you would just start to work in their life and, God, they would see your power, God, that they would feel comforted by your spirit. God, we know that you are here and you're in this place to be with us. And God, so we draw close to you in our mess. God, we draw close to you in everything and every situation we have. God, may we be a reflection as of a church of who you are. Your grace, your love, your kindness, your freedom over all of our lives. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.